0: From Kirkco Media.
1: Coming up on Life Done Better. Being something inescapable, like genetics, it's actually just a behavior. And, and once we realize that, the world is kind of our oyster when we can change our own belief systems and get that behavior lined up
0: behind it. Welcome to Life Done Better. I'm your host, Gilda Young. I'm chatting today to Brock Armstrong. He's the podcast host of Get Fit Guy, and his mission in life is to help people use their body and mind more effectively and efficiently. His own personal struggle with heart health issues, depression, and anxiety has been the driving force to find tools that help him cope and make him feel balanced. Brock incorporates cognitive behavior therapy, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Welcome to the show, Brock. Thanks for taking the time to talk about a different type of fitness, the brain gym.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. I'm the get fit guy online. Like that's my podcast and and my handle on most social media things. So I talk about fitness all the frickin time and have for years and years. But it's uh, it's really nice to be able to talk about the other aspect of my life, which is the behavior therapy and the behavior change and habit forming and lifestyle change and stuff that I, I really love to talk about and love to work with my clients on.
0: Let's talk about some of the goal setting that you see your clients do and what makes them successful, what makes them fail. Can you give us some examples of the goals that most people want in life?
1: One of the biggest problems I see with people's goal setting and and people who come to me, whether it's for fitness or behavior change, a lot of the time they're reacting to the shoulds in the world. Like somebody told them they should be losing weight or they should be getting fit or they should be more happier or they should be whatever. And there's so many shoulds in the world and online sources as well. Not just people in our lives, but people online who are coming to us and, and sort of forcing their agenda on us. And a lot of the time people think, okay, well, yeah, they're right. I I should be losing weight or I should be more fit. So they'll come to somebody like me or you and and say, get me fit. And and you're like, okay, well, sure, I can do that. That's not that hard, really. Like I can give you a program and make you do 20 pushups and watch you stand there with my arms crossed and say five more or three more. That's all well and fine. But at some point, if it's not your goal, if it really wasn't a heartfelt, deep set, burning desire, my friend Mark Devine, the Navy SEAL commander, always says a hair on fire kind of idea. I'm not sure why your hair is on fire, but there's that and you have to be that passionate about something that your hair is on fire. If it's not that level of rooted in your own desire, then it's not going to last and it's always going to be superficial. And and that goal really isn't your goal. It's just what you think it is. And oftentimes that's the reason why a lot of people don't stick with one program or they don't follow through on whatever that New Year's resolution or 30-day challenge or whatever it was that they took on because there wasn't a real deep-seated feeling of knowing that this was actually going to benefit you are is something that you really want. A lot of the time people stop at that should, like I should lose weight. Yeah, I should probably lose weight. And they just stop there and they don't get into why do you want to lose weight? And there's this, it's part of cognitive behavior therapy, but I think it's like, you can use it in business. You can use it all over the place. And it's called the five whys. And basically when you've come up with some sort of thing, like let's stick with the weight loss idea. If you decide you want to lose weight, ask yourself why. And quite often, the first time you ask yourself why, it's a reason like, well, I want to look better. Okay, well, but why? Well, I'll feel more confident and I'll maybe advance myself a little bit at work or or have more confidence to ask for that promotion. Okay, well, why is that important? Because then I'll make more money and I'll feel more valued by my family. And it's like, okay, now we're getting to some pay dirt. Okay, so why is that important? And you see, we've gone from this should of I should lose some weight to I want to feel more valued by my family. And that's a motivation. That's something you can root yourself in every time you think, well, why shouldn't I just have this piece of cake or have the second helping? Well, it's because I actually have this desire to be a better provider for my family so they value me more and
0: to show up differently. Oh my God, I feel the power. Just shift from, oh uh, yeah, I want to look better. But you know, then you get to put in so much work just to look better. And who's really going to care? Like other than you, right? And so, yeah. Yeah, of course. It's nice to get a compliment. But if you don't feel it in your body, how good you look and how good you feel about yourself, then nothing changes anyway. So if you're going for that feeling, it is, uh, it's certainly more motivating every day to make better decisions. And And it doesn't mean that you have to be perfect in every way and that you cannot have a piece of cake or, you know, some bread. I mean, I have clients that come in and they're like, well, (laughs) I haven't been, you know, doing so well because I've been eating bread. I'm like, well, can I have a look at your food diary? And I'm like, well, you only ate a few slices of bread this week. Yeah, but, you know, I shouldn't be eating that, right? Bread's evil. (laughs) It's not about not eating bread. It's like, look, all the stuff that you've been improving over all these weeks. I mean, can you see it? The obvious response is, "Uh, yeah. So don't be too hard on yourself. Little steps. Little improvements and celebrate those, and say, "You know what that builds confidence if you show up for yourself over and over again, and when you come to the gym, work on strengthening your body, you also strengthening your mind because you feel more confident, you speak differently, like you approach life differently when you 're present in your body, like when i 'm sitting on the couch. And I've been there for way too long. I feel sluggish. <laughs> my words don't come out of my mouth very well. Like I feel like I'm stumbling over my words. But as soon as I'm in action, as soon as I'm walking, it could be for a beach walk and I have a conversation, I feel everything is flowing again. So the energy that we feel in our body can be stagnant, like when we're not moving our body. As soon as we're moving our body, our brain is moving too. So it's, it can think more clearly. It can solve problems much easier.
1: You know, I, okay, there's two things I want to touch on. First, I just absolutely and, and in fact, just to drive that point home that you were just making. What I did just before we started this call, other than have a shower, was I did a high intensity interval training workout because I know my brain functions a lot better once I've done that type of workout in particular, just those short high intensity. It was only 20 minutes on my bike, but I did those high intensity intervals, got in the shower, made myself a cup of coffee, and then I know my brain is where it needs to be to answer these kind of questions and and be articulate or as articulate as I'm able. And uh, so, yeah, that's absolutely the, one of the greatest ways to get yourself feeling creative, get yourself feeling smart and articulate and able is to just get the body moving. Absolutely. And the other thing I want to go way back to, to what you said about the pieces of cake and bread and stuff, we've labeled foods as being good or bad, or like you should never have this, or you should always be eating this and that. And it's really gotten us in a lot of trouble. I'd like to see if somebody likes cake. The best thing we can do for ourselves if we like cake, and I'm a pie eater. I love pie. If there's pie around, I'm going to eat the pie. But I know that indulging is fun, and it feels good, and it's rewarding, and it's a moment of celebration. It's a re- moment to just really experience how much you, you enjoy that thing. But overindulging isn't more fun. And that's something that we've kind of lost track of. We think like, well, this bite of pie was really, really good. I need more. I'm going to keep eating it. And the more I have, the more enjoyment I'm going to get out of it. But it's not true. And we realize this where you can even see it on fMRI scans, where you can actually see the activity in the brain and then fed people things like candy bars and stuff. So this person's eating this chocolate bar and oddly enough the pleasure centers of the brain light up the most when you decide to eat the whatever it happens to be so before you actually like bite into anything even take the wrapper off of it the pleasure centers are going crazy they're like yeah yeah this is coming yeah the anticipation is like the most enjoying part of the whole thing then taking the wrapper off taking that first bite pleasure centers are not quite as intense but pretty darn intense Second bite drops off a little bit more. Third bite drops off a little more. By the fourth, fifth, sixth bite, barely any pleasure. Mm. And then at the very end, that final bite, you get another, like the final sort of flicker of of pleasure out of it, and then it subsides. And the same thing happens with dopamine. Like dopamine actually in, <laughs> shoots into your body all over the place the most when you decide you're going to do something, when you decide you're going to have the indulgence. So there's this idea that we have that we need to, like that we wanna have more and more and more, and that's how we can really enjoy ourselves. But it's actually the opposite. Spending more time in anticipation of that treat or indulgence actually makes the pleasure more intense when you decide, okay, it's time, I'm going to indulge. But then keeping it small, keeping it to a reasonable portion means that we can have that indulgence, but not have the regret, not have the recrimination and not have that horrible feeling afterwards of, oh no, what have I done? You can actually have the enjoyment and and then carry on with your life and get back on to whatever program you're following and not have that beating yourself up kind of moment. And And this is a big part of how I actually bring cognitive behavior therapy into my weight loss and fitness practice is to just have the. kinds of conversations where we can take this dastardly idea of like, I shouldn't have, like you were saying, like I I had three pieces of bread. And so you end up beating yourself up about it. We can break down that thinking and really get to the root of what the real problem is. And the problem is, is that you've labeled bread as the enemy. And so it's always going to be a push and pull and a, a yin and yang going on where we really, we can live in harmony with the bread, if we just realize that it's okay to have it every once in a while.
0: So I want to go back to that belief system because a lot of people are overeating and they have a habit of not controlling their decisions very well. And they keep then saying, I'm a failure. I can't do this. My whole family is like this. This is my destiny. How do we change those thoughts around?
1: We do chalk up a lot of our bad behavior to our genes. And we just say, well, you know, my mom was like this or I was just raised this way, so I can't do anything about it. And this is a real big part of cognitive behavior therapy is, is looking at those core beliefs. And first of all, identifying like, well, OK, so maybe it's true that you were raised to eat everything on your plate at all times, like every meal you have to finish everything on your plate. That's the way you're raised. But you're an adult now. And how is that serving you? How is that belief working for you? And a lot of the times people will target that as being, well, that's. I know I'm overeating because I've been taught to not waste food, or if it's on my plate, I I must eat it, and I know that's causing me to overeat. I'm like, okay, so it's not serving you well then to continue on with that belief. So can we replace that belief with something else? And the answer always is yes. We're not locked into these things just because we were raised that way, just because we believe it's our genes. It's not true. We do have the ability to look at these belief systems, challenge them, try something different, and then we do what we call collecting the evidence. So once you try to do something different, so you try just not finishing everything on your plate one night per week, and you go, okay, well... I did that. That worked. It felt a little uncomfortable because change is uncomfortable, but I'm going to try it again tomorrow night. And you keep trying it and trying it and collect the evidence that it is possible. And that you're not going to burst into flames and you're not going to have a breakdown because you're you're doing this. And in fact, you start to to develop a new belief system and a new habit and some some other sort of surrounding habits, like maybe buy more Tupperware so you can take the stuff off of your plate and put it in the fridge for for lunch the next day and so you're not wasting it and build all these other environmental or, or habitat kind of surroundings for you so you can support this new belief system and eventually you can replace that belief. The other thing about genetics is that we do tend to blame genetics for a lot of our our bad behavior, like I said, but a lot of what we've thought of in the past as being in our genes is actually in modeling. So our, our parents not only pass on their genetic material to us, but they pass on their behaviors. And it's not necessarily through instruction or through setting rules or anything. It's just through demonstration. For example, I've witnessed this firsthand. My sister has two little kids, and my mother looks after the kids quite often. My mother has quite advanced arthritis in her hips and her knees. So when she gets out of a chair, she has this very particular sort of uh, kind of movement, standing up and stretching out and sort of walking a little bit. Frankenstein monster-like when she first takes her first few steps. And I've seen my sister's children do that same movement, not because they were told to or not because it was part of their instruction, they just see grandma doing that. So they start doing it. So we we actually pick up these movement patterns. We pick up eating patterns. We pick up belief systems without having any sort of formal education in them. And we carry them on into our lives to the point where we actually will get things like diabetes, not because of some biological imperative or, or predestined situation, but because we've learned our eating habits or our preparing the food habits from our parents, from our grandparents, from whoever was our, our, primary caregiver. So we've actually just perpetuated that rather than being something inescapable like genetics. It's actually just a behavior. And and once we realize that, the world is kind of our oyster when we can change our own belief systems and get that behavior lined up behind it.
0: So the first belief is you can change your belief systems. Yes. And when I think of, oh, well, you know, changing behavior is really hard. Well, that's also a belief system, isn't it?
1: The belief that you can't change is the reason why you can't change.
0: the power of our brain. And, uh, you know, it's our choice if we want to rewire our brain. Because if thoughts and perceptions influence behavior, then we may want to take a close look at our daily thoughts and perceptions and see where we can break through some limiting beliefs and upgrade some old software to achieve the goals and improve our quality of life
1: we hold a lot of limiting beliefs in in our lives and and when we can learn to identify them then that's really the first step in changing them so if you if you see that you've got a belief and the one i was going to bring up is this belief that as we age things start to fall apart one of the the biggest limiting beliefs as i said was that as we age well people always say this to each other too and I, like when i turned 40 friends of mine are like well what do you expect you're 40 and now I'm sneaking up on 50 and people are already saying, well, isn't getting old, getting old sucks, doesn't it? And I'm like, no, it doesn't have to. Like, why, why have we accepted this as being the default? And instead of believing, well, there's nothing I can do about it, I'm 50, being like, well, maybe I can't turn back father time and I can't pretend that I'm 20 again but I can fight for what I've got. And I can focus on those things that I've, I've identified that aren't working very well. For me, it's my eyesight at the moment. i noticed that I've had 20-20 vision up until like the last couple of years. And it's really, it, it's starting to, to become a problem for me. So I'm doing things like eye exercises and making sure that I focus on things far away for a certain amount of time, every 20 minutes. It's the 20-20-20 rule every 20 minutes look at something for 20 seconds that's 20 meters away.
0: Oh! Well, and, and that can dramatically improve, I'm sure, because your eyes are muscles and they need to be exercised too. Exactly. I totally get it. And so you're saying, uh, yeah, you can obviously believe what you want to believe, but my belief system is that as I'm getting older, it doesn't have to get worse. I can keep improving. I can keep learning. And if there are things like that, I'm like, oh God, this is deteriorating a little, then my attention needs to go there instead of accepting it and saying, well, that's just part of getting older.
1: Yeah, I've gotten to the point where I've encouraged some of my elderly clients, my older clients to to stop accepting the seats on the bus. I mean, nobody's using a bus right now during COVID. But when we're able to use buses and subways and stuff again, I have like even my my father in law. He's in his 80s now, but he's a very surprised 80-year-old. And just because he's got gray hair and a gray beard and looks a little older, people are always very polite and saying, like, sir, would you like to sit down? And he always looks at them like they're crazy. And he's like, no, I'm fine. And he is fine. And that's such a great mindset to have of not just being like, yeah, I should probably sit because I'm old. No, I'm perfectly capable of standing, so I will.
0: Hold that thought. We'll be right back. A moment of your time, a new podcast from Kurt Co. Media. I'm currently twenty-one years old, and today I felt like I'm magic extended
1: from you. her fingertips
0: down to the you base of my spine. You have to take of care spine. of yourself because the world needs you and Trust your worth. Trust me, voice. every do-gooder that asked about me was ready to spit on my like dreams. Her
1: fingers were facing me.
0: You can feel like your purpose and your worth is really being. It's questioned. going to stop me from playing the piano. She
1: buys walkie-talkies. Wonders to whom she should give the second device. Cats don't
0: love humans. We never did. We
1: never will. We just find one that The beauty of real. rock climbing is that you can only focus on what's right in
0: life. And so our American life begins. We may need to stay apart, but let's create together. Available on all podcast platforms. Submit your piece at kirkco.com slash a moment of your time. Welcome back. The mindset is everything. It's the mental attitude. And the, the mindset is made of beliefs, attitudes, assumptions that we hold about ourselves and the world around us. So if we have thought for a good 20, 30, maybe even 40 years, one way about ourselves, and we want to change that thought or, you know, our behavior, what are the first steps?
1: What we can do is stop reinforcing that particular belief. Like I know a, a lot of my clients say things like, I can't resist sugar. You know, you say that enough times and you won't be able to resist sugar. You're reinforcing that belief that you're unable to do a certain thing. Or even when I was suffering from anxiety, I would identify myself as an anxious person. If people would ask, i like, yeah, well, I'm an anxious person. So blah, 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 blah. And it's not that I was incorrect or that I was making it up. I was an anxious person, but by repeating that phrase to myself, I was making it more and more true. So the first step isn't to lie to yourself and tell yourself the opposite, it's just to stop reinforcing that idea. I can be an anxious person without labeling myself an anxious person, and in fact, I can label myself as somebody who's working on their anxiety, somebody who's changing their anxiety or or working towards a, a management of their anxiety, and that's true.
0: And so that thought is going to replace like I am you know a person with anxiety. I'm someone that is changing how I respond to anxiety.
1: yeah, in the past, I was an anxious person, but I'm working on on making that better. It sounds like semantics, but it really is an important thing to reinforce every time everything that we tell our nervous system we believe. So that's really the the sort of first step is to to identify that belief or that identity that we want to address. And start to put the wheels in motion. Stop identifying as that type of person and, and limiting yourself by it. Then, once you become aware of that, and and you really start to identify the things around it. So you look at your thoughts and your emotions and your beliefs that you hold about this particular problem, and start to figure out whether or not those are actually true. And the biggest thing that we can do for ourselves is to really identify the negative or inaccurate thoughts that we hold. Because sometimes we just reinforce a thought by only seeing the things. And you were sort of saying this about the bread way back at the beginning of the conversation. So you've got somebody who's tracking their meals and all they can think about is the three pieces of bread they eat. But bringing their attention to while you also had all these wonderful salads and 80% of the time you weren't eating some crappy bread or a cheeseburger or whatever sometimes we get hung up on on the negative thoughts and forget to see that we actually have these positive aspects of our lives and that we really are made up of all of these things. But we can really put on blinders to to only be reinforcing those, those negatives. So identifying those inaccurate thoughts and then learning to reshape those. And probably the easiest example of that is, you know, when somebody's speeding in traffic and they cut you off and are zipping back and forth through traffic. And the first thought is always like, oh, what an a-hole. Like, <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Then taking that moment to think, well, okay, maybe they're actually in a hurry. They're late for something really important. Like coming up with the different ways to view a situation that isn't necessarily the immediate or the negative that just sort of pops out of us because we are the beliefs that we practice the most. And those neural pathways become more and more ingrained the more we we have that same thought. So it does take an effort to take a pause and think, well, you know, my partner probably wasn't trying to get back at me by not packing the dishwasher properly. She wasn't doing it to me. She was just doing it because that's the way she believes the, the dishwasher should be packed. Or maybe she was in a hurry. Giving those other thoughts as much weight as the ones that we've been sort of practicing for the last little, well, for our entire lives often, can be really be the biggest step that we can take in, in changing our, our behaviors. So
0: asking yourself good questions is really important. Like, because questions yeah. are the answer to many of our issues. And someone said the other day, I don't have issues, but I have puzzles. And the puzzles mm. are there to be solved. So I'm just going to take in the information without much anxiety and stress. It's just a puzzle. And so you're taking away the severity of the issue and you're thinking of it as a bit of a game and you're like, okay, let me take a look and see how I can solve this puzzle. And that's important. It's the open mind. And it's really important to gather information and get inspired, but stay true to yourself because everything you do has an effect on how you feel. And the more you do these things that make you feel good, the more others will benefit from it too. But make sure... You do what feels right for you and not what other people tell you to do. You should be doing. And also we we can change our own language because I hear myself say, oh, you know, no, I got to do work. I should be doing this. I can't go outside right now because I have to finish, should be doing blah, blah, blah. blah." Now, can we change it to I get to work? I get Mm -hmm. to exercise. I get to do all these things because... We do, in the end, choose to, and of course, there's things we have to, but it's a privilege that we are alive and can do these things. So instead of being, um, saying, I'm stuck on a call, I get to finish this call before I do this and this and this, because it's a privilege to actually be able to make this call and to be productive. So also in our own language, we can empower ourselves and our energy levels will be upgraded
1: the language we use about our situation and about ourselves is so much more important than we realize. You're absolutely right. Like choosing the way that we talk about ourselves, choosing the way that we talk about our situation, choosing the words more carefully about what we're doing. It's those small moments that add up throughout the day. And if you can start identifying those and, and I love what you said about, I don't have issues, I have puzzles. Often the the best thing you can ask yourself to solve those puzzles is, how else can I view this situation? Like, what else could this situation mean? What could this emotion mean? What other way can I interpret this information? And when we start applying that sort of criteria to things that we've thought are just inevitable or are true, if we just look at them and think, well, is there another way I can interpret this? The world really opens up for us and we can start to look at everything in a more positive, more meaningful, more helpful, more beneficial light.
0: We do tend to stress and put so much pressure on ourselves and we can take the pressure off. When I'm stressing out at the end of the day, because my to-do list is not done yet. And I you know, want to make dinner and I want to be present, but I, urgh, I just got to finish this. I am going to take another look at that to-do list. Is this really necessary right now? Do, yeah. do I really need to finish this right now? Oftentimes it's no, like just take the pressure off, Jill. And be present and take some time to eat, to connect, to relax. Tomorrow is another day. If you feel low today, move your body. If you don't feel good today, go to bed early. If you don't feel energized today, listen to some great music. Take care of your mood. Because when your mood is better, your thoughts are more positive. When our thoughts are more positive our actions, improve our lives dramatically. And that the power of a morning routine can be so helpful for curating a positive mindset. Can you share your morning routine with us?
1: I'm definitely not one of those people that says like, here is my morning ritual and you all should emulate my morning ritual because we're all so different. And we all have such different, not only biology, but brains, backgrounds, circumstances, life patterns, everything and availability. Like I, I don't have kids. My partner works in a hospital. So I, Basically I'm alone most of the time. So I have all kinds of freedom that other people don't have. So I'm not this isn't necessarily I don't wanna give somebody a prescription to say this is what you should do. But what I do most mornings anyway is I, I take myself through an entire a full body warm-up because I like to get my body ready to be active for the rest of the day. So starting with my, my feet, my ankles, my knees, my hips, just moving up through my entire body, even my face, like getting all the muscles in your face all nice and warmed up. And then once I'm physically warmed up, then I'll go for a, a walk. Or if the weather's not great, I'll just do it in, in the living room and just do some breathing exercises and and just sort of center myself and set some intentions for my day and it really doesn't take that long like we're talking about like maybe 15 minutes to to do this entire thing and i often have the coffee's making itself or getting ready while i while i'm doing that and I don't feel that I need to spend a lot of time talking myself up or getting doing anything too mental, I guess, too philosophical. It's I think a lot of us start our day off in a panic state. We tend to wake up and immediately start thinking about the things that we need to get done and what needs to happen and, and checking our phones and checking our email and, and looking at social media. And, and just by delaying that by 15 minutes and spending some time just making sure that I'm both mentally and physically ready for my day, that really does it for me. I, I feel so much better when I when I actually do that on the rare day when I skip it because I am really stressed out about what I've got to achieve or I slept in a little too much or something. I, I notice it. It's not like my day is ruined. I can definitely reset after a certain point when I realize my heart is racing a little bit and I'm not feeling quite centered.
0: But yeah, it's an information overload that we get sometimes in the morning when we go from a sleeping state to a waking state. And in, within minutes, we check all our apps and emails and messages messages and it's obviously going to stress out our nervous system. So yeah, delaying that is a wonderful tip. Is there anything else we need to know about goal setting for the new year?
1: Well, the most important thing is if you're setting a goal, like we started off this entire conversation, is don't just set a goal because you think you should. Set a goal because it really is something that you want to achieve and it's rooted in some sort of desire other than I want to, I don't know, look like somebody on the cover of a magazine. Sorry, Jill. I know you've been on a, a lot of covers of magazines, <laughs> but I'm sure you can attest that you didn't, you don't look like that on a everyday basis.
0: But I was going to say it and then go back to your five whys. If you don't know that burning desire just yet, if you're like, well, this is truly what I want, but I don't really feel that you know, burning desire that you're talking about, but I still want it. Okay, then go ask yourself why the first answer again, why, 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 until you find a deeper answer, peel the onion back and you're going to find a true heart's desire that ignites that spark that you need to be consistent and get to that goal. Thanks, Brock, for being here today. How can we stay in touch with you other than subscribing to the Get Fit Guy podcast?
1: Uh, Well, you can find me at BrockArmstrong.com. And I have links to my Scientific American articles there and my blog and my podcasts and everything can be found at BrockArmstrong.com. One easy place that you can go.
0: That's awesome. BrockArmstrong.com. Well, my friends, this marks the end of our first season of Life Done Better. I hope you've grown and found inspiration through these episodes just as much as I have. It's been such a fulfilling journey so far. I wish you all a beautiful holiday and you can be sure that I'll be back early next year for more tools, tips and encouragement towards a life done better. This episode was produced and edited by AJ Mosley for Kurt Co Media mastering by Steve Ricky Berg. Thank you again to Brock Armstrong for joining us today. Be sure to check out more of his content on the Get Fit Guy or Chains Academy podcast. Until next time, my friends, I hope you have a beautiful day.